He loves us. I mean, it is already done. It's just a matter of us realizing, not holding ourselves back, making excuses of why it shouldn't be us that's healed when Jesus' blood has already been shed. And God's love has already been determined towards you. And uh, even in the scriptures, he didn't just heal the believers. It's one of the greatest witnessing tools that Jesus used. Uh, He'd he'd heal them, then he'd say, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) It's just who he is. It's just in his nature. We tend to want to put our nature on him, but his nature is right. And it's righteous. When I began to pray about what to minister this week, I really felt like we were supposed to go back to some milk this morning. And the world around us is in an identity crisis. And I'm not just talking about gender confusion. I'm talking about they're in an identity crisis. And God wants to make sure that his children are not. Because if the world is in darkness, they need a light. And we've been called to be that light. And I know I've harped on that a lot the last couple of weeks, but it's just where we are right now. And, and, and I thought the other day, I thought, Lord, you know, I miss preaching the things that my dad preached. And, and, and I miss those messages, those classic Tom Underhill messages. And this is what God said to me. You're not pastoring your dad's church. We'll, we'll always teach on faith. We'll always talk about the importance of our words. We'll always lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. We'll always walk in those foundational truths. But right now we have Christians who are confused about their identity. And so we're dealing with some things that I've never seen before in my lifetime. And my lifetime has been a lot longer than some of you. And I never thought I'd be that person. But I am one of the oldest people in the room. So, you know, this is the question that came to me this morning to title this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are. And I'm going to ask you this week to really be honest with yourself because this is one of those locator moments. When not who somebody else thinks you are, but in your quiet time when you're alone with yourself, I want you to ask yourself the question, who am I? Who do I think I am? Not the face you put on with these friends and you wear another face with these other friends. But who do you, when you're alone with yourself, who are you? And honestly, if anything defines us other than God, we're on shaky ground. We, we are. And we make our life decisions based on who, who we think we are. We, we live out of that. Out of, out of our hearts come the issues of life, the scripture says. Not out of what somebody else said unless we've taken what they've said to heart. Not what somebody else has labeled us as unless we've taken what they labeled us as to heart. And if we take those things, and a lot of times, see, we don't come into the world a blank canvas. I've heard people say, well, when you're born, you're a blank canvas. No, you're not. God has already put in you purpose. We, we can read this out of the scripture. I mean, how many times did he, did he call people from the womb and, and set their, their purpose in order? And so from conception, things were placed in you. Now, we're born, and then people start saying things, and they start messing with things. And especially if it happens in childhood, that, that can really warp. But you know what? The truth of who you are to God is still there. 
The call of God, the scripture says, is without repentance. He doesn't take it back. If you were masked with, in your thinking, in your bodies, in your souls, in your spirits, if you were masked with and you accept Jesus as Lord, he becomes your Lord and what he says goes. See, we're not just here to sit on a pew and be saved from the flames of hell. Although I'm thankful. I can just walk out there in 99 degrees and be thankful. I mean, I don't even want to know what hell's like. So, it's more than that. It's, it's the joy of life is when we walk in what God has for us. And, and what he has for us to do. And instead of letting all these other things slap labels on us and us trying to be that or trying to live out of that, especially if it's negativity. There's this little phrase, just this little phrase in Proverbs 23.7. He, he's actually talking about a stingy man, Stephen. He's, he's like saying, hey, don't eat with a stingy man because he may offer you food, but all the while he's sitting there calculating what it costs to feed you. So he's, he's, that's, that was really the context of this. But I just want to pull this first little phrase out of verse 7. He said, As he thinks in his heart, so is he. And when I read that, that's when I got this morning's title. Who do you think you are? It matters who you think you are. Because you're going to live out of that thought. You're going to act out who you think you are. And God can think all kinds of wonderful things about you. But if you don't have that in your heart, you're not going to walk it out. And you know what? It's, it's really humbling. It's not pride. It is anything but pride to walk out what God's called you to be. It's not pride. It's very humbling. Because when you walk out who God's called you to be, it's all God. And it really goes beyond our human capabilities a lot of times, beyond our human capabilities. The truth is no one can change unless they change what's in their heart. We can want to, we can wish to, we can try to. We can try to be a different person. We can want to be a different person. But yet we always find ourselves returning to our own vomit, the scripture says. That's scriptural. Don't mean to gross you out. Sorry, Tanya, wherever you are. I know you don't do the throw up word, but God did it. it we keep returning. Why? I and mean, we want to change. We don't want to do this. We don't, we don't want to be this way. And, and we try and we're good for six weeks. Six weeks is kind of the marker. Sometimes six months. And then we find ourselves returning. Why? Because we changed. We, we wanted to change, but we didn't put the effort to change really what we believe in our heart. And, and this, I know we read this scripture last week, but I want us to return to it. Uh, Romans 1, 16. We talked about it very briefly last Sunday. But it's the key to changing our lives. I'm going to read it to you today just to mix it up a little bit. Sometimes if I read out of a different version, it really keeps me from just repeating the scripture out of habit and can really bring some wording to life for me. And when I read it out of the Passion Translation this morning, it just really clicked for me. I believe it will for you as well. Romans 1.16 says, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power. If, if, if salvation and receiving Jesus as Lord hasn't changed anything in me, I don't have a revelation of what it was yet. It's not bad to know you're, that you're there. I mean, it's, it's not bad to be there. Let's just not stay there. And, and my goodness, go to God and say, God, I've been a Christian for 40 years and I'm still returning to the vomit. Show me. Reveal to me who you are and who I am to you. You know, 
we talked about this. I can't remember if that was last night. We ministered last night where I was. Um, don't worry about praying wrong. Just talk to God. Well, I don't pray to God. I don't feel like he can hear me. Well, are you talking? I mean, I talk to God respectfully, mind you, as I would my father or my mother. Respectfully. But I talk to him like a father. Not, oh, most gracious heavenly father. Because I don't talk that way. He knows I don't talk that way. I don't speak in King James Version. He knows I don't. I speak Arkansan. And so I don't say God. I don't say God. You know, he just wants to sit up there and go, what was that? What language are you speaking? I say, Father, I need to understand this. Help me understand this. Some of you are treating God like he's detached. He's connected. He's been in on your life from the get-go. You may not have let him in very much, but he has been involved. He's watched. He's listened. And that's not a bad thing. He's not sitting up there with a lightning bolt. His lightning bolt's aimed at the enemy, not at you. The wrath of God is stored up for his enemy, the Scripture says. It's not, it's not for his children. It's for his enemy. I refuse, the apostle said, to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power. Unleashed. I love that. We're going to use that word, leashed, after a while. Unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. The Jew first and then people everywhere. This gospel, this gospel, you remember what gospel means? This good news unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. It's, it's constantly revealing to you the righteousness of God. The scripture says you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. Jesus died for you when you accepted him as your substitute. The gift to you was righteousness. Jesus gave you his standing with the Father when he took your sin nature on himself. He gave you the standing with the Father. And this gospel is supposed to be constantly revealing that righteousness. If you're listening to a, a word that is not revealing righteousness... It's not the gospel. Because the gospel is good news. It may be tough news. Because we read last week, it will correct. It can rebuke. It can train in righteousness. It's always going to train you and correct you to righteousness. Not to condemnation. Conviction is to bring you to righteous, to an understanding of righteousness. And he says this gospel unveils a continual righteousness, a revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. When is it given to us? Have you believed? Amen. Then it's a gift to you and you're either walking in it or you're not. But, it, but it's been given. It moves us, I love this part, it moves us from receiving life through faith, when we're born again, to the power of living by faith. Isn't that good? It's not just about getting saved and then waiting for heaven. We're on a journey. We're on a road. And, and we chose by faith it's receiving life, receiving his life through faith, to, and then it moves to the power of living by that. See, this isn't a Sunday morning Christianity. This has got to go out the door with us when we're sitting alone in our room and our mind starts to think. 
then we, then we live by that decision that we made. We were made righteous. And when I get that in my thinking, and I, I choose righteousness when I chose Jesus, now I live out of righteousness. I make my decisions based on righteousness. And you know when I make a decision that's not based on righteousness, I know it. Because it doesn't bring me closer to God. I don't lose my righteousness. My righteousness corrects me. It corrects me. It brings me back. We've moved from life through faith to the power of living by faith. I love that. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life-giving faith. We're right through God right with God through life-giving faith. Performance, the pressure of the law, has been moved out of the way. Now I serve him because I love this man. I love this man. The man, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for me. Who went through the tortures of the heart of the earth and spiritual wickedness. Went through those things for me. I love this man. That changes how I live. If I'm not thinking that way, I'm, if I'm living under the pressures of the law, I will continue to fail. I can't help but see myself as a failure because the law was upheld by one person, and that was Jesus Christ. Once we accept Jesus as our Lord, we choose to live by faith. And we start beginning to identify with him. It really doesn't matter how I feel. If you're a boy and you feel like a girl, you've got to bring that under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You ha- you, if if I, I feel... Like hurting somebody. I feel it. But I have to bring that under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Hopefully before I do, instead of having to repent. and, and I'm sure there's days Rusty would rather go fishing than be with his wife. Is your boat in the parking lot? Oh, who are you riding with? <laughs> He's going right after church. That's why I'm messing with him. There are days we don't feel like being married. I'm sorry. You don't ever have that feeling? I don't either. I'm just using it as an example. Well, I'm trying to think how to get out of this. Let's sing. No. (laughs) He's going to go to the lake. But you know what? We made a choice. And sometimes things are just a moment. They're just a moment. And our flesh can be so loud. Our flesh can be so loud. And it can just rush right up there to our heads. Come right out our mouth. We can be so consumed with a moment and think it's just the end of the world. That person, Rusty, did that to me, or I did that to Rusty, or you did that to me, or that person did that. And just rushes up there and just... Who's Lord? Who did I choose to be my Lord? And when that conviction comes and I hear that, mm-mm, Susan, keep your mouth shut. You better watch your heart, watch your tongue, watch your heart. Then I am in that moment making a choice of what I'm going to live out of. And, and this is where the rubber meets the road. And trust me, I fail in this area sometimes. But my choosing to go back to what I identify with, 
just as we can go back to our vomit, we can go back to the truth of God's Word. And so when we mess up, oh, Father, sorry, I identify with Christ. I identify with His love. I identify with His forgiveness. I identify with His grace. I'm choosing to identify with Him instead of what I'm feeling right now. And, and we can just, we can turn on a dime, y'all. It doesn't have to take years. We, we, can, we can turn our thinking. So we got to begin to identify with Him. We're looking to live as children of God. And you know, just try saying it sometime. It's really good for us. And, and, and I know as a man it would probably be even harder to say, I am a son of God. Because when it gets personal, it's okay for me to say, we're children of God. Yes, yeehaw, amen, great. But for you to say, I'm a son of God. Not the son of God, but you are in the son of God. You are a son of God. We have been adopted as sons. We have been adopted as children of God. He has brought us in to the family through Jesus Christ. And you can truly say, when you've chosen Jesus as Lord, I am God's daughter. And you know what? That identification doesn't change by my behavior. Now, his correction will come because he, he makes it pretty plain. This is scriptural, children. I'm not just cussing for the fun of it. If he doesn't correct you, you're a bastard. But when you're a son, a daughter, he will correct you. But you didn't lose your sonship. He's there to correct us. He wants us to grow up. And I hear parents say this all the time. I just don't want my baby to grow up. Yes, you do. I understand. We miss when they smell good. You know, you kiss their little head and they smell like that pink bottled baby lotion. And then when they get out of basketball practice and they get older, it just doesn't smell that way. We used to make, oh, I shouldn't say this, one of our children... Used to make one of our children put their, I'll be careful with my pronouns, put their shoes in the trunk before they got in the car. Both of my kids played ball, so I'm not going to say which one it was. It's just fact. And then we'd go home and we'd put them on the, the duck hunting boot dryer with dryer sheets in them for breeze. I mean, what happened to those kissing those little feet? That's gone. But you want them to grow up. You miss every stage, but every stage is beautiful. God loves the stage you're in. He's ready to help you grow to the next one. He's enjoying this moment with you. He's enjoying training you. He's enjoying bringing you up. But we're not going to stay there. And if we're not going to stay there, that means we're changing. That means we're taking His correction. His correction comes from His Word. When we open up the Word of God, we've opened up the mind of God. We can know what He's thinking. We can know where He wants us to go. And it's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And we just keep, we just keep growing. And, and that's beautiful. We want to live as the children of God. What if you think in your heart, I am a child of God? I, I'm a child of God. What happens to fear when you have a revelation that you're a child of the creator of the universe? What, what happens to fear when you see yourself as a child of a good father? Right? Of a good father. If we begin to make our decisions out of, I'm a child of God. If I begin to make my choices out of a heart that understands, I am a child of God. What is that? That's, life, that's heart changing. That's heart changing. That's life altering. That's fear dispelling. That's love enabling. That's supernatural empowering. Because when we're laying hands on the sick up here, they didn't have, have anything to do with any Susan power. 
That's just Susan going. The scripture says for the believer to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What's my part? Live out of that. Live out of that truth. It's up to you to receive it. It's not... It, It's nothing I conjured up this morning. But I live out of that word. And you should be too. Whether you're in Walmart, at school, on the job. You're, you're a believer. And if somebody says pray for me, don't say, Okay, I'll remember you in prayer. No, you're going to forget them. You're going to walk out, you're going to go home. The dishwasher needs to be unloaded. The kids are going to be getting home from school. You've got to get supper cooked. The husband's going to... You're at work. You've got up teen dozen cars to sell. You've got, you got all these things. No, the believer will lay hands on the sick. The believer doesn't say, I'll remember you in prayer. But you won't do that. And you won't have the confidence to do that if you don't realize you are a child of God. We're supposed to be doing the works of Christ. Let's just, let's just put that on us for a moment. How can we do the works of Christ if we don't see ourselves as children of God? We won't. We won't. You're a child of God. I mean, that's just today's message in a nutshell. You are, if you've accepted Christ, you have chosen to be a child of God. And that should change your heart. It should change what we're living out. I just ask God to give us a revelation of that this week. And I realize there's going to be layers of that revelation, but we got to start. You know one great way to start? Start saying it. Faith comes by and hearing by the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Go with me to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, start in verse 1. I'm reading out of the NIV. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. How great. I mean, you could feel it in the house this morning. He, just, he was just lavishing all through praise and worship. Just I don't know if you received it or not, but he was sure putting it out there. He was just loving on this congregation. How great is the, I don't know, how great is the love of God that he's lavished on us? I'll tell you how great it is. He's willing to call us his kid. When you're willing to call somebody your kid... Anybody in here parent? Dylan, did you ever know love? I mean, Rachel's great and everything. But you and Rachel have a child. Ayla Jane. Little thighs. You've just never seen such sweet thighs. Little doingies on her hair. Just waddling up this aisle like she owns the joint. And you just... You can't even put into words what you feel when you get home and she sees daddy. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. I just, just read that every day this week. Just read that. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it doesn't know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, Jesus appears, we will be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. The more we can see Jesus, the more we understand who we are. Read the Gospels. Read the Gospels. See Jesus. He showed us what it was like for a son of God, the son of God, but a son of God. Scripture says he was the firstborn among many brethren. 
That puts you in there. Your, your number is in there, Lindsay. He was the firstborn among many brethren. We can't separate ourselves from Christ. We're in Him. The more we see Him, the more we know who we are. He showed us what a son of God should look like walking on the earth. I know it's a tall order. I know he was without sin. I know we got a few more issues than he had. But we can't just throw it all out because we're not perfect. We have to identify not as who we are naturally, but we have to identify with who we are spiritually, identifying who we are in him, not who we were away from him. We are in Christ. The scripture goes on and on about in him, in Christ. That's how we're to identify ourselves. Only as we see ourselves in him. All other identities that we've lived in our life need to be tossed aside. And that's work. That's work. But that's what we're talking about doing. To see ourselves as children of God. Everyone, verse 3, who has this hope. Oh. Do you have that hope? Is he building a hope in you? Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So it's not just a matter of living how we want to and saying grace will cover me. We're we're at work. Not under condemnation, but under parenting. We have a father. He's not going to just let us live however we want to. He is going to correct us. He is going to offer us correction. We can ignore it and be rebellious and go live like the devil and have all the consequences. Or we can listen to our father, walk in his wisdom, walk in his ways and get his results. Just as our kids can do the same. But he's a father, he's going to correct us. And he says, everyone who has this hope, this hope of being a child of God, of of being like Christ, has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. So when God brings something to your attention in your life that's not pure, he's not throwing you out, unadopting you. He's correcting you. Purify yourself. You know, His grace helps us do that. It enables us to do that. Because we know we don't lose our position with Him. It helps us change. If it wasn't for His grace, I'd probably just give up. I'd be worn out. Because I am a daily work. Thank God for Rusty, y'all. That man, bless him. God's truth in us changes us. God's truth in us changes us. John 8, Jesus is talking. He's talking to the Jews that had started believing in him. And Jesus said this to him. He said, if you hold my teaching, or King James Version says, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. You're really following me. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will The truth doesn't set me free. It's the truth that I know that sets me free. I need to know the truth. The truth is sometimes uncomfortable. Sometimes it goes against my flesh. A lot of times it goes against my flesh. Oh no, Susan, you're going to love them. You're going to forgive them. But if if I don't know the truth, it won't set me free. We need to be in the book. We need to open the scriptures. We need to read what he says. And we need to see it as a father instructing us. So that we grow. So that we don't stay where we are. So we don't keep going back to the vomit. So that we don't keep repeating the same mistakes. But if we will listen to what the Father is saying and we accept it as truth, then that truth will set me free 
And those repetitive things, will they will cease to have power in my life. We can't change without the truth. That's why I'm glad you're here. That's why I have to be here. I have, I have to be, I have to listen to the word. I have to keep the truth in front of me. Because the truth, once I get it in me, has the power to change me. I want to change. How bad do I want to change? Enough to know the truth. Know the truth. Not just mentally assent to the truth. That's what the scripture says. But is it what my heart says? Is it what my heart says? Jesus said to those who believed him, if you hold to my teaching, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. His truth will liberate you. It doesn't put you in bondage. It sets you free. This morning is one simple truth. If you choose Jesus to be your Lord, you are now a child of God. That should change me. Not in a bad way. Not in a scary way. In a very loving, good way. I am a child of God. He is my Father. He is responsible for me. He took that responsibility for me. It has to become the foundation of my identity. And if you bring up my past identity, I'm going to try to very politely tell you you're talking to the wrong person. Or feel free to talk to my father about that. Because our identity has changed to identify with Christ as a child of God. All other identities are shifting, they're changing, and that's why people are always confused. I mean, we're single, we're married, we're widowed, we're divorced, you're parenting, you're empty nesters, you're a student, you've graduated, you have a career, you have this career, you have that career, you change careers, this position, then that position, then you're retired. Then you really see people like, because their identity was what they did, not who they were. You're an athlete, perhaps the best. Then you're not. You're all star, all state, all star. You're the dream team. You're, and then you're not. Greatest football player that ever lived in all of Pope County. And then there's a knee injury. And then you're not. We're building identity and we're teaching children to build their identities on what they do instead of who they are. We were young and beautiful. Now we look in the mirror. Proverbs 31 has something to say. It has something to say. When you're a woman of God, and when you love the Lord, your beauty does not fade. We have a, we have a generation of, of, of what's always been in women. Where we try to base our identity on our looks. On our dress. On our popularity. Now it's on our followers. I'm just going to challenge you. If you know how many followers you have or how many friends you have on social media, whatever plethora of things that you use, if you know that number, you need to judge yourself. And you judge yourself. Because you're, you're building an identity. And this whole influencer Society is going the wrong direction. We are to be influencers. But we're supposed to be pointing them to God. Jesus was the ultimate influencer. And he probably didn't know how many followers were in the multitude. 
He, he probably never started off a message with, you know, I've, today I, I gained 1,001 new followers. But I hear Christians say it. Okay, that's just a little pastoral side note. You were young, now you're old. So you, you, your identity is constantly changing. You lived here, now you live there. You lived in this big of a house, now you live in that little house. Or you lived in that little house, now you live in that big house. Too, too many things are identifying Christians other than the one thing that matters. And so we need to base our identity not off what we do, but off of what he did and who he made us to be. And that will change everything. And it takes so much pressure off the human. I'm telling you, if you get caught up in this cultural frenzy on identity, it will wear you out. Because you've got to perform, perform, perform. I mean, you've got to keep those numbers up. You've got to keep that social media number up. What are you going to do next? How extreme do you have to go? We've seen it in the entertainment industry. We've seen it in sports. We've seen it. How crazy do you have to be? What do you have to do to your body or show on your body in order to keep the likes coming? That's pressure. And with God, it's like, did you choose, did you choose Jesus? Oh, you're a child of God. You're accepted in the beloved. The scripture says, you're accepted in the beloved. And you didn't have to perform for it. You had to believe for it. But you didn't have to perform for it. I believe that's going to set somebody free. And we need to be, we need to be talking about these things with our children. Or in my case, grandchildren. Who do I think I am? That's our question today. Who do I, who do I think I am? And I'm going to use a Tim Brooks quote. If you were here, you'll be glad you were here when he taught. If you weren't, you can go back and find it. Once you answer who you think you are, ask yourself, who told you that? Who who, who told you that? I can't afford to identify as anything else other than what God's word says about me. Because if I, if I go with anything else, I've left truth. And I'll be in bondage to that lie. Because truth is the only thing that will set me free. Amen? It's a challenge. But I'm up for it, are you? I was going to read Luke 4 and said, I, th I think I'm just going to mention it. You know, when Jesus was, thank God, led by the Holy Spirit, he was going through the wilderness, and Satan appeared to him. You know what he said to Jesus? If you are the Son of God, perform. That's it in a nutshell. If you're the Son of God, act like it. If you're the Son of God, perform. Make these stones into bread. If you're the Son of God, jump off. Jump off from this. And the angels will catch you, right? And every single time, Jesus did not get in the personal fight. He simply came back with what the Word of God said. And he would say, it is written. If you are a Christian, perform. That's what the enemy is say. Because you can't ever live up to what he's going to throw out his mouth next. The truth is, what you do and what you do ain't none of his business. You've got your own daddy. It's called Abba. Father, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. He's got a lot of names, and he's your daddy. Abba means daddy. It, it puts something very personal on the word father. 
And so when Satan comes at you and he says, if you are, he's, he's, going to question, he's, he's trying to make us question our identity because if we don't know who we are, we can't do anything. Be pushed around with every wind, every label that anybody wants to put on us. But if we know who we are, we can walk in this earth right now, today, as a child of God. It'll hit you when you're at Walmart, I'm telling you. It'll hit you. You're there to walk as a child of God. Our identity should reveal his identity. Isn't that what Jesus did? He came to show us the Father. That's what we're here for, to show people who our Father is. Y'all can stand on that note. Teachers, did you get prayed for up there? I saw y'all just came back. Y'all had a service. Hey, you got a group of kids up there that know who they are in Christ Jesus. And no matter what other labels are put on them, straight-A student, not straight-A student, good athlete, horrible athlete, last one to be picked on the playground, no matter what other labels slapped on them, they know who they are in Christ. And, and I'm telling you, there's some generations coming on that they're going to be lights where well, they are lights. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. There's just some things stirring in this house right now, preparing the generations. I, I'm telling you, uh, Tucker Rhodes ministered to our men's group for the first time um, Where'd he come from? Where'd Tucker come from? And then Brett ministered Wednesday night. He's out of our Timothy project. First time he's ministered in front of the church, he's ministered at fire pit night, some different things. First time he's ministered out in the congregation. And I'm telling you, brought a word about death is not a failure. If you're having issues... Over, over the death of a loved one or, or fear of death yourself. You need to go to the in-depth on the website, pull down where Brett talked about that. I think it's titled, Death is Not a Failure. I'm like, where'd that come from? Where'd, where'd Brett come from? Isn't he just the quiet guy up here behind the electric guitar? <laughs> Taught us for an hour. I don't know. We didn't even get out till like, I don't know, it was after nine. And just people just kept commenting. I kept getting messages the next day, and I'm like, who is this guy? It's child of God. And God's bringing them up. And then at Timothy Project Thursday night, because we're, we're here at church when y'all are not, Timothy Project Thursday night, you would not... I don't even have words. Kyle Olson, where did he come from? I mean... What he taught us about being a tool it was so good. About our job. Just opened up the scripture to us in a common man's way. Just like Jesus would have done when he was walking through the cornfield. That's what, that's what Kyle did. And then Jesse. Sarah. Who is this guy? You don't know. You should have been, I should have told you you could come. Oh, my goodness. He sat there and told us a story from the Scripture, brought us into it, and, and brought us to the heart of the Father in such a beautiful and powerful way. I just I wanted to re-preach all of their messages this morning because they're just burning in us. And, and we've even been able to use them uh, this week as we're ministering to other people just to refer to what they taught us. I'm telling you, God is at work with people who are choosing to walk as children of God. Don't X yourself out of that. I guarantee you, Kyle had himself X'd out. Brett had himself X'd out. Jesse had himself X'd out. Tucker had himself X'd out. And God said, hmm, I like him. Let me see what I can do. And they accepted it. And that heart change caused action change. And I'm telling you, they are blessing the body of Christ. 
I want to pray over you. Father, I thank you for these that are present in this house. And if there's anyone here who has not made that quality decision. Father, I know it's great to be saved from hell, but there's just so much more. And it's not scary. It's life. It's, it's life. It's, it's living life to its fullest, what you have for us. Jesus came so that we could have that. And if there's anybody here that hasn't made that choice, Father, I just ask for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You draw them. Not anything that, that we do, but Father, by the Holy Spirit, you draw them to yourself. And all they have to do is to make that decision to believe that you sent Jesus to die for us. And that he suffered our hell. And he took on our sin nature and that you raised him from the dead. And to say with their mouth, Jesus Christ, be my Lord. And when they bow their knee and say that with their mouth, now they are the children of God. Their spirits are perfect, but their minds are going to be renewed. And you're going to teach them as a good father raises and nourishes a child. That we don't have to figure this out on our own. But step by step, Father, you give us instruction. Instruction that we can follow. That we can understand. And that your grace is so oh, abundant towards us. That just as when a child falls and the father picks him back up and stands him back up. That's how you are with us. And we do not have to fear failure. Our position is secure in you. Your love for us, it is great. So, Father, as those who prayed the prayer last week are walking in that newness of life and learning, I pray that the people that you called today to ask Jesus to be their Lord would do the same and help us to help them, and we sure will. And we thank you. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. The church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.